Hi, good afternoon or morning, wherever you are in the world. This is Derek Harp, the founder and chairman of CSE. And today is another episode in our Security Leaders podcast. The goal of the podcast series, if you've already listened to some of the episodes, is to bring a human element to security leadership. Regardless of industry or geography or particular uh, vertical, uh, leaders are uh, found all over the world in various places. And how did they get there? How did they become a leader in the cybersecurity industry? What was their journey? What was their path? And what can we learn from them today, especially for people that are entering the workforce or in the mid-level part of their career and want to move up uh, either in a corporation or step out in some cases and run their own business? Uh, there's advice and uh, lessons learned along the way to be shared by all these leaders. So I'm especially excited to introduce my guest today, and that is John Cusimano, uh, Vice President of Industrial Cybersecurity at AE Solutions. And uh, welcome to the show, John. Thank you. Good afternoon, Derek. All right. Well, I always like to start the show with superheroes backstories. Where did you start out in life? What's your What's your backstory uh, going all the way back? Where are you from? Yeah, where am I from? Uh, I'm from upstate New York. I grew up in a small town in upstate New York, and um, in a in a family with uh, dad was an engineer, mom was a teacher. You know, why don't you also give uh, just a quick summary of uh, of where you are today? I think that's good context as we go back and lead up to what you do today. What your role is today at A Solutions? What 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 you uh, where you are in the marketplace today? Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I lead the uh, industrial cybersecurity practice for AE Solutions. So it's a it's a division of our company, and I have a team of about uh, twenty dedicated subject matter experts that have come from uh, a variety of different uh, walks of life in their careers, but almost everybody uh, either came from automation or IT security or some combination of the two. Okay. Awesome. So going back in time, what is your your kind of your first introduction uh, to technology? Is that something that happened early on or later in life? Oh, technology. I've, I've, I've always been a geek. So I guess uh, probably goes back to even maybe pre-high school, middle school, when my dad brought a, uh, a big clunky, I guess you'd call it a personal computer, uh, home from work. And the keyboard me... clipped to the front of it? I remember uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember if it was a compact or not, or yeah. I can't remember the brand, but yeah, it was a big clunky thing. And I learned basic programming and I was having a, he couldn't keep me off of that. And I was so mad when he had to bring it back to work. Yeah. I remember uh, my dad didn't, as a school teacher, he didn't bring anything like that home, but I had a few friends whose parents brought back different kinds of those early computers. And boy, those were, those were kind of amazing looking machines. I remember the luggable, it was like, you could port it, but it was like the huge handle and the huge case and the keyboard. Yeah, stuff. luggable. Yeah. That'd be a good way to put it. Yep. As you're going, let's say before, prior to uh, you graduated from high school, any specific thing other than interest area? Did you do anything with technology, study anything, or is it still just a kind of a hobby area for you? It was definitely a hobby. And my, my hobby in high school was uh, besides besides uh, school, um, I was I, I was in a band and played guitar, and I oh. loved I loved guitar effects, you know, all the cool gadgets that you could uh, plug into your your amp or your guitar. So when I decided to go into engineering in in college, my primary motivation at the time was I was going to graduate and build guitar effects. So I wanted to be a basically wanted to be an audio engineer. Yeah, didn't Not go that true. way, but but that's what that's, that's what motivated me to pursue to sue that. Did you? No. And what what happens next? I went to Clarkson University in way way upstate New York for electrical and computer engineering. They had just launched a degree that kind of combined degree. And I picked the school because there was the first school in the country to give every incoming freshman a computer. 
It was a Zenith Z100 uh, that ran ZDOS, which was <laughs> the Zenith version of, of MS-DOS. But the idea of getting my own personal computer, that's that was the number one reason why I picked that school. All right. So this starts uh, a true technology introduction. Anything at that point cybersecurity related or not yet? Just traditional IT kind of computer programming start? Uh, yeah, traditional, as I said, I really at the time was, was, was interested in more in actually in analog and digital electronics. And so, you know, hardware circuit design was what I was primarily interested in in college. Uh, that may come full circle to today with embedded systems and things, doesn't it? Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, what happens next? You finish that uh, college process and what are your choices? What are you thinking about doing? Yeah, so I, I landed my first job at at, uh, at Eastman Kodak in Rochester, New York. The main reason I got that job is I remember when I interviewed for it. It was it was within a uh, it was chemical automation processing group, and so they, this group basically did uh, PLC DCS systems for for their film and paper coating processes. And the main reason I got the job was uh, was the summer before I worked for a small architectural and engineering firm, and I was working on some relay based control systems. And when I interviewed, and they asked me if I knew what a relay was. I actually knew what a relay was, and that's what got me the job. Isn't um, that where the one guy hands a baton off to the other guy? And then, then <laughs> are you talking about something yeah. else? Well, yeah, electromechanical relays. And I, you know, because yeah, I didn't actually, you know, they don't teach you that in college uh, curriculum. So I had so the, the, basically it was the practical experience I got on some summer internships that really helped me land that job. Ooh, let's talk about that. I'm always looking for nuggets and calling attention to them in these calls because this is where, as somebody listening, you know, in somewhere in our worldwide 17,000 members, some a lot of people are looking about what moves do I make first or what moves do I make early in my career. Mm-hmm. So you're mentioning something about how you educated yourself on something that wasn't in your formal curriculum. So talk a little right. bit more about how you how you did that. Well, one of the things I learned pretty early on in my career was to, and and I have some people to thank for that, but but to but to pick a technology and specialize in it, be the best in that. When I was at Kodak, I was the young guy in the department, and a lot of the uh, a lot of guys that had been there for a number of years weren't comfortable with personal computers. So I became the go-to guy for for all of the software and applications that we were, uh, you know, so we were. For example, PLC programming tools and early HMI software, I kind of became the go-to guy for that. When I moved on um, from Kodak to, I I took a job with more products company, an automation vendor. My area of expertise for most of my career there was was in uh, safety instrumented systems, safety PLCs. I became the product line manager for a product called Quadlog during that time period. And, and I immersed myself into that, that specialty of, of safety instrumented systems. And it's, you know, from there I went into cybersecurity and the same thing. So I think picking an, an area, a specialty and, and going all in on it in terms of learning as much as you can, writing about it, training people on it, talking about it, authoring articles and so on is a really good way to to bolster your career because nobody can know everything. So <laughs> I think <laughs> specializing is a really good way to to bolster your career. Makes makes sense. And did you did you use the word internship earlier? Yeah, I had done a I had done a, a, a college a, a couple college internships, and yes, that that was also very helpful because getting that practical experience goes a long way. Yeah, 
Yeah, and that's a theme I've noticed uh, as I'm doing these interviews that that comes up a lot, which is like getting real world experience as soon as possible, however one can get it versus purely academic. Right. So uh, you're at Kodak, and what happens next? So I was at uh, Kodak for a few years, and I met a girl who is now my wife, and she she did not live in Rochester. I met her in Rochester, but she was in grad school in Baltimore, and that was a difficult commute. So my boss at Kodak had 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 met her once. We were out uh, somewhere, and he said he said you're a goner, dude, aren't you? And I said, yeah, I think so. And uh, I deliberately moved to the Philadelphia area because she was planning on graduating and, and going and in, into the pharmaceutical industry. And Philadelphia is a and North Jersey is a strong base for that. And she's from New Jersey. And uh, so we kind of deliberately picked Philadelphia. I I searched for jobs there, and she graduated and got a job there. That's how I ended up at More Products Company, the um, which was later acquired by Siemens, and I was there between the two companies uh, 19 years in the same location. So your your journey, you know, everybody's asking where the unicorns of understanding operating technology and control related systems and understanding cybersecurity. You know, where do people come from? And there's one answer. I am looking for trends in that area, but your mm-hmm. introduction to the industrial side, the componentry, and the the you know the logic uh, of the of the control systems that was right away that was early on. I got into yeah automation was right out of school pretty much. Um, I became an automation engineer instead of an audio engineer, and yeah. uh, I I discovered uh, by accident that I really liked industrial automation, and so yes that that really drove my career. And then when I went to more products, I found that niche of safety. And really went all in on safety. And then towards the end of my career at Siemens, I saw the connection between um, safety and cybersecurity became very apparent. Uh, this was probably um, like around 2008 or so that I decided that I thought I thought cybersecurity was a really interesting because of its potential impact on control and safety systems. And I started digging more and more into that. And then it was really just fortuitous. I got, I got um, as the 2008 financial crisis was looming. I got a call from Bill Goebel, who was my uh, my former boss at More Products, and he had started a, a, a safety consulting firm, Exida. And he called me up, and he had been trying to get me over there for a while, but he called me up one day and said, I'd like you to lead an industrial cybersecurity practice. And this was 2008, um, before Stuxnet. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I said, you know, is you think there's a market for that? And he said, I do, and I think you're the guy to to lead it. And he teamed me up with Eric Byers. And when he told me that he had Eric's support, I said, you know what? If I, I certainly could have stayed where I was, but I was facing having to lay off some of my employees and a downturn in the market. And I said, you know what? I'll take a chance. I'm glad I did. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, Eric's definitely a pioneer in the uh, a pioneer in the space. Yep, I was gonna say. So it was really those those two guys, uh, Bill Goebel and Eric Byers, that I have uh, I, I have a lot to thank them both for for getting me where I am today. Well, John, that, that's uh, actually a great segue. I often ask, is there any mentor mentors that played a role? You know, we're we're looking at the role, you know, ACC of bringing people together and certainly mentorship. And we don't have a formal program, you know, yet, but uh, there's been discussion around that. And so I'm teasing out that theme of mentorship, and that's pretty been pretty so far it's been pretty present in in people's stories that that someone has more one or more people have been have been uh you know powerful influences on your 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 own path mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I definitely say those two. Uh, Bill Goble was, was much earlier in my career. I met him in uh, 1990 when I went to more products and he, uh, he saw potential in me that I didn't even know I had. And he, um, cause I was a shy engineer at the time and he saw my potential and encouraged me to, to learn and encouraged me to come out of my shell, forced me to do public speaking, something that I hated, but now I do it every week yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm much more comfortable with it now. I have a lot to, to, to thank Bill for. And then Eric, uh, came in later in my career when I when I made this move from safety to cybersecurity and he he taught me uh he taught me the ropes and he introduced me to to the, the people in the in- industry and and got me my start there. Awesome. That's great. So talk about you're working with all the control related stuff and where does cybersecurity intersect uh you know formally come into play then? For me personally? Yeah. Yeah. Well, as I said I was I was almost thrust into it. It was um I mean, early, I, I saw it early on, in, in uh, even in some of the things that we were building into our products when I was at at, uh, at More Products. We had, for example, we had a safety instrumented system product called Quadlog, and one of the things we were concerned about, uh, maybe ahead of our time, but we were concerned about somebody at manipulating some of the safety variables mm-hmm. in the controller unauthorized. So we added something called a secure data write functionality which effectively was was adding an extra layer of access control and and something of an internal firewall in the controller so that certain certain variables in data could be protected at a at a higher level than other variables. Sure. So that's where I first you know appreciated the importance of critical data needs to be protected from either accidental or or deliberate modification because in this case it's safety critical if it the integrity of that data is extremely important. Yeah, that's where I first understood the the, the that, and then when we started moving you know, into adding Ethernet con- communications to our control systems, and opening these things the, the systems up to to remote access, for example, it became even more apparent to me. And working with some of our key clients that were explaining to me why it was so critical that if they were going to allow remote access, that it had to be done in an extremely secure and protected way. Yeah. And uh, so that's where I got the appreciation for it. And then I got, I, I, I did get kind of thrust into it when I accepted that job. Um, I understood the basics, but I, I was no expert uh, by any means in 2008. So I just I, I, I immerse myself in it. Yeah, well, talk about that immersion process. That's, I think, another one of these nuggets. There's a lot of people asking themselves, what do I do next? How do I go deeper? Or how do I get into this? And you know, there's people coming from pure IT backgrounds with no working uh, knowledge of the engineering market. Like, I want to, you know, I want to get into this or or vice versa, engineers that find themselves with responsibilities or tangential, if not directly, to say, I, I've got to figure out or I've been charged to figure out some security around this, but I you know, I don't, you know, if they're honest, often they'll say, I don't really know the IT and cyber world all that well. What does someone do? What did you do? And what do you recommend, you know, people look at doing today? Right. Well, I, I would say primarily I, I read everything I could get my hands on and tried to make sense of what I was reading in terms of trying to trying to organize all these principles in my head into some logical structure. And, and I took some training, but I, I, I spent more time reading I did attend conferences and talking to people, and I, I had an opportunity pretty early on to, again, going back to Eric Byers, he had been teaching a course for ISA on industrial cybersecurity, and it was an opportunity for him to turn that course over to me as the as the developer and instructor. And I always tell, tell people there's nothing like having to teach a topic 
to force you to really learn it. I mean, if you're going to get up in front of a room full of people, oh, yeah. you, better know your, you better know your material. Yeah. Uh, so having to teach teaching and then later developing courses, again, that really forces you to, to learn a topic. And then, of course, applying it with our clients. Uh, so I, I had to quickly figure out how to monetize um, these services because uh, you know I was brought in to run a business, figuring out how we could take what the strength of the, the company I was with and the knowledge we had and apply it to to our customers to help them with cybersecurity and even at that time get them to understand and appreciate why they should pay attention to cybersecurity. That's really what I spent my time on. That's really how I I, I develop, I would say, practical uses of the knowledge as, as ways to serve our clients. You know, that's probably maybe another takeaway there for people. Um, not everybody's going to necessarily be able to teach a formal course, but even preparing to teach your your some portion of your own company, your colleagues right, or right. some other part of the company, even prepping for that and having to deliver that would further somebody right there. Right? Sure. Lunch and learns and giving talks at, I did some local ISA chapter talks. Uh, and then I went to the larger conferences and started giving talks. Yeah. I like that. That's a great, uh, a great immediate walk away is proposed to do that, uh, writing your own, own work environment. Like you said, local chapters of other kind of organizations who'd be interested in the topic, um, you know, auditors association might be interested in this particular area. You know, go, go talk to right. your looking for speakers and you don't have to be a professional speaker to go do that. So that's that's um, that's one of my favorite walkaways today. Talk about uh, any any challenges in your career path and how you overcame them. Anything come to mind in that particular area? Yeah, sure. There's always there's always challenges. The challenge of of standing up a consulting practice that that's making um, that's made, that's making a profit is certainly was a challenge. And yeah. I've actually done that twice in my career. First time was it was at Exit, and then uh, about five years later, I. I I moved to where I am today at A Solutions and did the same thing there. And uh, it's a matter of being uh, you know, both persistent and um, and thinking a bit outside the box and and figuring out how you can best serve your clients. Because if you have a good solution, people will will be interested in that. If you're so, it's it's a matter of having something that's credible to offer. Yeah. Too, too bad everybody didn't think that was the number one requirement. Have something credible, but. Uh, yeah. It does help to start with that, doesn't it? Right. Let's talk about going back to uh, your earlier self. Again, this this particular mm-hmm. series is around really helping helping people move through their their own journey. If you went back and talked to your younger self, are there one, two, three things that you'd say, oh, yeah, I'd sit right down over a beer or coffee and say this to my younger self starting out? Yeah. A lot of it goes back to what, I, what I've already said, this, this idea of I think it's really important to pick a specialty and immerse yourself in it. I tell that to my my own children that are young adults, and they're in different fields. They're both in uh, more science-related fields, but it doesn't really matter what it is. I always tell my kids, uh, they said, well, you know, Dad, I, we can't ever see you retiring because you, you, you work all the time. And, and I said, no, I could retire. I, I can obsess on anything. Just give me a different topic, and I'll obsess on that. But yeah. <laughs> I say it you know, teasingly, but but that's what I'm suggesting to them is is pick something that you really that you like, obviously related to your career, and obsess on it. Like really go all in and learn everything you can about it, and become an expert in it because it will really help your career for sure. And it's also really fulfilling to I think I find it fulfilling to to really get that deep knowledge of a particular topic and to then put put it out there in terms of, um, you know, like I said, publish, present, and sh- share that knowledge back. Yeah, I, I find it very fulfilling. I agree with you. Uh, absolutely. Like, 
it's 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 a sad state of affairs that so many people are in professions that they don't have some passion for. Now, every day about everything we have to do, of course not, but right. core, yeah. And, and I think even within this space, there's enough diversity. Like you said earlier, nobody could know everything. There's so you could pick particular things and really focus on it. If robotics was interesting to you. I mean, you you, you could go crazy in that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like you have to you know, partic- particular, uh, make a particular choice and you're stuck with it. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of diversity available. What are you most excited about if you're looking, looking forward? And I think as a, a part of this, what you're looking forward to, and then if you were pointing out to somebody again, maybe even mid-career, making a choice of where they might specialize, you know, where do you see those just beyond the horizon opportunities? Yeah. You know, what's interesting is when you asked me about challenges and one thing, you know, you certainly would say, looking around right now, you know, COVID virus and market, huge market downturns. And the one we had back in 2008, uh, those are really trying times, but they're also present huge opportunity. So I I was more luck than anything, but uh, with 2008, with me making the decision to to leave Siemens and and take the quite risky opportunity to go start up an industrial cybersecurity practice when hardly anybody was even talking about it, uh, or at least spending much money on it, it was a huge risk for me. But it was at the time when the market was at a bottom. And so there was almost nowhere to go but up. And, and of course, there was growing growing interest. And then, of course, you know, 2010 with Stuxnet certainly helped kind of solidify that, okay, industrial cybersecurity is a real thing. It's a real and, thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, not just, it's not just people talking about it at a, at yeah. a water cooler, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, sure. so market downturns can bring opportunity. So one of the things that's been on my mind, we've been talking an awful lot about where I work, is the technology for remote, you know, anything, remote conferences like we're doing right now, but more importantly, remote control and monitoring and field support. Those technologies have been around for, for a long time. Companies have been embracing them. Some have been better than others at making sure they do it securely. Some some companies have been so afraid of the technology, they just say no. Um, others have embraced it and applied it and been very careful about making sure it's secure and monitoring it. I think, I think with, with this scenario with COVID, people are very quickly seeing that uh, remote's not going to be an option. We all had to figure out how to work remotely over the last few weeks. And so, if, and, and they're also seeing the benefits of it. Um, of of doing things remotely, so we we have but we have to make sure, of course, it's imperative that it be done securely. Uh, so I think that figuring out how to do things remotely, we're we are now performing our assessments remotely, our workshops remotely, and we're helping our clients implement secure remote access. So I to me right, right top of, top of mind right now for me is uh, I think anything to do with secure remote operations and secure remote support is going to be even more important in the next few years. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Is there any particular slice uh, of the industry that you think is going to be, you know, explosive? There's going to be lots of new opportunities. Somebody who's kind of honing their skills and deciding what to study and all the things we've been talking about right now. And you say that's going to be an explosive area. You know, adoption of some sort of new technologies in a particular field or area or space. I think what's really ex- interesting, exciting when I go to some of the shows I go to, I, I think, you know, everybody's talking about, of course, um, digital factories and Industry 4.0 and the use of, of things like AI technologies and, and so on. 
And I could see, I can see where uh, obviously that we might get a little bit of a pause in that because of what's happening right now. But I think still overall, that is the, going to be the trend over the next few years. And again, that, that of course, all also all has to be implemented securely, but enabling and getting more, getting our implementing more and more automation so that people can do things remotely. I was just looking today at an application of, of Google Glass where you know, factory workers could 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 be wearing the you know the Google glasses and do a virtual walkthrough of a facility and be guided by a, an expert somewhere else in the world yeah who's seeing what they're seeing and say okay go you know, go here open this take a closer look at this oh, and yeah that is such cool technology to be able to you know basically have a subject matter expert see what you're seeing and guide guide somebody in their task is a really cool use of technology. Yeah, that is amazing. It, it creates or it will solve this major issue of, of key expertise only being held by a small number of people and now being able to transport that expertise all the way around the globe, right into a, you know, right into a particular facility with someone and be right over their shoulder, giving them advice, mentoring, training, whatever you want to use. That is an awesome, awesome future opportunity. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, no question. Uh, well, any other words of wisdom for these the, the workforce, for the cyber security for control systems workforce? Anything else you would pass on uh, to people out there? No, I think it's all about, like I said, pick pick uh, pick an area that you that you find really interesting and, and really dig into it, and then publish and get that out there in in as many ways as you can. Okay, this is my favorite part of the show. I always like to end with the pivot questionnaire. So anybody who knows me well knows I've been a huge fan of Inside the Actor's Studio. It was hosted by James Lipton for many, many, many years, for decades, in fact. And James Lipton uh, passed on, actually, not too long ago. Um, the show still continues on without him. But uh, he was uh, an icon in the interviewing of famous actors. And so I'm using that with security leaders. And this is a fun way to end and get a little insight into, into the humans that we all are, no matter what our role is, right? So this was borrowed, in fact, from a French show before that. And uh, so it goes back many decades. So uh, if you're ready, John, I'll start. I'm ready. I'm winging it because I didn't even read the questions. So. All right. This will be fresh and off the top of your head. Just go yeah. with what you think. So what is your favorite word? Probably love. Great word. What is your least favorite word? I guess I'd go, I'd probably go with the antonym of that, which is hate. But the other thing that comes to mind for, with me uh, along those lines would be um, can do and can't do as favorite and least favorite love it what turns you on creatively spiritually or emotionally well i i, I do have a, a a creative side and an engineering side and so uh, creatively i like to cook i like to make music and i like to invent things not not so much um, products but i like to apply technology so that that excites me awesome what turns you off phoniness um Either and that could be a person um, or a company that um, or that is um, maybe uh, overstating the capabilities of their products or services. And sure, <laughs> who does that? <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> what um, if you have one and you're willing to share? What is your favorite curse word? <laughs> I probably use shit the most often. But <laughs> <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? Huh. Probably the the sound of uh, my family at home. What sound or noise do you hate? Fighting, arguing. What profession, other than your own, would you most like to attempt? 
Oh, I've always I've always said that if things don't work out, I'm going to I'm going to quit and I'm going to become a, a, a short order cook. <laughs> I, I would. So I'd like to uh, professionally cook. All right. Awesome. I'll be so I know I can't make a living at it. So I, I'm this sticking with it. I'm learning a lot in these interviews. As soon as this COVID lockdown ends, I know that when I'm passing through your town now to have dinner with you, is has got to be one of my. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what profession would you not like to do? Almost anything that's tedious and repetitive. So a factory worker on a line, something that's the same thing. Predictable. Over and over and over again. Yeah. And last, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? <laughs> Besides welcome. <laughs> uh, Not you got in the wrong line, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that, that I did good. Great. Thank you, John Cusimano, Vice President of Industrial Cybersecurity at AE Solutions. Appreciate you coming on the show, John. All right. Thanks again, Derek. Appreciate it.